Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. Forgive me, dear, for my misdirection As I crawl get all of this delicious pre-show talk goodness that we have. Um, one of the ones that I love is, like, um, you'll, you'll see, like, they, they, they meme them all the time, where it's, like, uh, Age of Ultron, um, you'll never be able to defeat me and my, uh, my army of, uh, of robots, and then Magneto shows up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's, like, roll credits, yeah, like, that. <laughs> those are the ones that I love. Hashtag, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Or, like, the ones where it's, like, Anakin and, like, Obi-Wan, and it's, like, Anakin, Chancellor Palpatine is evil. He is? Credits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I missed that? Okay. But, yeah, no, I got a couple of really, really good ones. Um, I went after one that, uh, that I have often maligned because it hurt my feelings so bad because I love Star Trek so much that I, I did... Don't I didn't... tell me you did it. Don't tell me you did Into Darkness. I did. Yeah, I fixed it. You did. I. I fixed it. <laughs> See, now I don't know, dude. So did I. How the two of you did it differently? Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. I think it'll be it'll be fun to hear. Um, I I did that one. I I already told you, Steve, about Indiana Jones uh, and the and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I fixed that one. Um, I I tr- I wanted to do. I wanted to stay away from Star Wars because we've done Star Wars before. Um, but it was it's hard finding media that I that I care about as much if that makes sense like um I I went through and fixed a couple of uh, of superhero movies too like I fixed uh Batman and Robin um that one was fun <laughs> did you just give Joel Schumacher another project at the time <laughs> <laughs> basically <yeah. laughs> or did you triple the number of ice and cold puns cuz that was the only thing that was working in that film <laughs> what I did was well, I'll I'll save it, uh, obviously. Um, but I think it's it's just like that one was hard because that movie was so bad, and like it was. And the funny thing is, is like they proved in the one before it with Batman Forever that you could do Batman a little campier, like you could kind of merge the whole Adam West style with the Tim Burton stuff, and it wouldn't be that horrible. Because um, Batman Forever, at least in my opinion, was not a bad movie. Um, Batman and Robin was just so over the top that it just, like... I, I feel like, you know how they have that Richard Donner cut of Superman 2? And it, like, vastly improves the movie? Yeah. I feel like... like his original vision or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you tried to do that with Batman and Robin, like, you're going to end up with, like, a 15-minute movie. Like, you would... It's funny. You would cut so much you... content from it. When you look at the the script for Batman Forever and the vision that Joel Schumacher wanted to do, he always wanted to do Batman Robin, a hundred percent. Like that was there was never any doubt that that's the movie he wanted to make. Yeah. Um, and he was just working with a, a script that was way more serious and way more intense. Like there's a lot of psychological stuff that is touched on very briefly in that movie that was supposed to be the backbone for the movie. Yeah. Uh, and was just disregarded entirely because he's like, I want to make an Adam West Batman movie. Yeah. Well, like the whole, like the whole psychosis of, of, of Bruce Wayne, 
meeting Batman essentially like where where does one end and the other begin and like the whole yeah I mean because there was there was some really deep stuff in that man where he's talking about like how he remembers those memories from the, their funeral and seeing that journal that his father had written in every day that he had been alive and all these empty pages and it was just like dang this is dark and then it was like oh let's cut to Jim Carrey doing some goofy stuff and shaking his butt it was like uh, all right okay this is be, a little be Ace Ventura but you know, like in a Riddler suit. <laughs> Just tell a and lot of action. jokes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Make lots of goofy faces. You know, you'll be fine. Did, look, oh man, behind the scenes, man. I love the stories behind the scenes of that movie because Tommy Lee Jones fucking hates Jim Carrey, and he oh, told him so much. He told him so on the set. He was just like, "I hate you. You're a piece of shit. I hope you die. I'm gonna punch you in the face." Oh no, it's even worse. Head. It's even worse. It wasn't even on set. It wasn't even on the set. It was at a dinner the night before or like within like a week before they started filming. Are you serious? Jim Carrey saw him at a restaurant and was like, Oh, I'm so excited to work with you. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, I don't, I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like the thing you do. It's just, uh, Oh, what? There's a the like fucking you. line. Like he uses. Face. Like... It was something like, I cannot abide your foolishness. Yeah. Hang on. Jim Carrey, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Let's see what we got here. Cause I, I remember that something to that effect. Where it was like, yeah, I can't abide your foolishness. Some, that sounds about right. Um, you're like, oh, buddy. <laughs> I went over and I went over and I said, "Hey, Tommy, how are you doing?" And the blood just drained from his face. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee June, Jones, so hated working with Jim Carrey on Batman Forever that the Oscar winner actually trembled uh, when he told the comic uh, how much he despised him. Carrie discussed the tumultuous relationship when he dropped by Norm Macdonald live. Uh, Jones and Carrie played the villains in the 95 Batman installment. It was not a pleasant experience for Jones. I was the star. Oh, Carrie's basically saying, I was the star and that was the problem. Carrie guessed. Uh, he's a phenomenal actor, though. I still love him. The situation came to a head in the middle of production before the two had their big scene together on, on Schumacher's film when Carrie, Carrie randomly popped up into the same restaurant that Jones was having dinner in. <laughs> The major D said, oh, I hear you're working with Tommy Lee Jones. He's over in the corner having dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys picture this like I do? Jim Carrey coming over there and turning around and talking with his butt to Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) I can't wait to work with you. (laughs) Well, I do now. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Tommy, how are you doing? The blood drained from his face, Carrey said. And he got up shaking. He must have been in mid-kill-me fantasy or something like that. And he went to hug me and he said, I hate you. I really don't like you. And I said, what's the problem? And pulled up a chair, which probably wasn't smart. And he said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. I cannot <laughs> sanction your buffoonery. Yes. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, man, that needs to be on a T-shirt. Just a picture of Tommy Lee Jones looking all like bitter and sour and just not angry. Your buffoonery. Oh. I, let's meta it up a little bit, though, but yeah. have like Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face with like a crazy look on his face <laughs> yeah. saying, I can't sanction your buffoonery. And then it's like, oh, this means many things right now. And I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure them all out, but. Oh, that's our new t-shirt, guys. There it is. <laughs> I will draw that shirt. <laughs> I, will, I will do a little cartoon image of Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face looking deadly serious and saying, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> And you're like, sir, look at the shirt you're wearing. I, I, what? <laughs> uh, you have two different shirts on, sewed together in the middle. Uh, how much That's time did you spend stitching together those two suits? And I'm the Come buffoon? On. 
I'm the chucklehead? I am the fool. I, I bid you good day. <laughs> um, Norm MacDonald said, Jones's ire likely came from Carrie, who had risen quickly to become a huge star, being the center of attention no matter the room he entered. Carrie had a different theory. He might have been uncomfortable doing that work, too. That's not really his type of stuff. So it's... That's... <laughs> well, no, that's... And, and that's, that's part of it. But there's also an interesting timing that happened. Um... I can't remember if it was Ace Ventura or what, but one of Carrie's movies opened really, really big. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was Ace Ventura. Um, and it opened against Cobb, the <laughs> the baseball movie that oh, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones made. Yeah. That was a huge, huge uh, uh, um, uh, 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 like fanboy work for for Tommy Lee Jones. He had wanted to make this movie for years and years and years, and he finally did, and it bombed, and it bombed against a Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> I mean, Jim Carrey had a streak there though, where like every movie he was putting out was gold. Like he had like oh, yeah. at, at one point, I want to say he had like three movies out at the same time in the theaters, and they were like one, two, and three in the box office. It was something crazy like that. Yeah, he was untouchable for a while, man. Yeah. He was on a hell of a streak. Yeah, and then he went just a wee bit to a more serious place, like, which, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, I personally, like, I'm not a, a huge fan of, of what he's doing now. I think that he's a little too... He's falling into the same category that I think a lot of, a lot of actors fall into, of because people like to see my movies, they therefore care about every single thing that I have to say and therefore everything that I say is important. Like, he, when he was dating Jenny McCarthy, he got into that whole anti-vax thing, and yeah. that really turned me against him real, real quickly. And they just, just spouting off, like, just, like, you know, like, your ability to look like Gumby on screen means that you know something about vaccinations and the causes of autism. Like, fuck off, Jim Carrey. Like, it's, yeah. just do some funny movies. And honestly, like, even serious stuff, like, to this day... Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorite movies. Like it, it's, it's fantastic. It's a work of yeah. art, but like it's for the most part, I don't subscribe to that whole like you know, just stick to acting thing. I think you know every every actor, every musician, every whatever should have an opinion about what's going on in our world. But like there are certain things that maybe you should shut up about, and I think that that's one of them. Like don't don't tell me your internet research, Jim Carrey, is is has shown you the causes of autism, like. Just, just be the Riddler again or something, you know? Like, give me, give me another Ace Ventura movie. You mean yeah, to tell you me... Such a... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you mean to tell me that Jim Carrey is not a medical professional? <laughs> I just I, I picture him in, like, a doctor's lab coat, like, dressed as Fire Marshal Bill. Let me show you something! <laughs> Hello, I am Dr. Butt. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you some questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's freaking is there wonderful. a history of farts in your family <laughs> I heard your name is Colin it's Colin yes <laughs> on that note alright guys so we're going to be doing a, a wonderfully fun episode of GGR Pirate Radio we, we alluded to it a little bit earlier uh, we're talking about movies and other media, if anybody has them, uh, that you wanted to change, that you might have seen something different, and it might have changed the whole thing. 
for better, for worse, for, for laughs, for, for whatever, maybe you were just watching the movie and you're like, hey, wouldn't it have been funny if they had done this? Um, but as always, in diner-esque conversation style, we're just going to have a good time. I've got, uh, as always, Mr. Steve Monick joining us tonight. What if I had something funny to say? There's a <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Uh, we also have uh, the wonderfully talented Mr. James Rambo. Howdy, folks. Here we go. Another wonderful episode of GGR Pirate Radio starts right now. We are starting in five, four, three, two, one. Broadcast starting. Good job. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Do it. Do it. Come on, kill me. I'm here. Come on, do it now. Kill me. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's ten dollars for a BJ, twelve dollars for an HJ, fifteen dollars for a ZJ. What's a ZJ? If you have to ask, big man, you can't afford it. No, why not? It's too complicated. It's like algebra. Why you got to put numbers and letters together? Why can't you just go fuck yourself? It's called pirate radio. But Peter, why would they make you president? Well, maybe it's because I can recite all fifty states in a quarter of a second. Hey! Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns are for jerks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. <laughs> I'm totally going to use that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this is GGR Pirate Radio. We are part of the Great Geek Refuge. It's our website. You should check it out. It's www.greatgeekrefuge.com. We have a plethora of articles and podcasts and other wonderful media. In fact, Mr. MC Brooks will be joining us in a little bit. He just wrote an article about the 28 days of black cosplay to commemorate uh, Black History Month. You can check that out. Just go right to the website, click on articles. Uh, it's right there under comics. It, you'll be able to find it because you're smart. You wouldn't be if you weren't listening to this. So, um, Joining me for this evening's podcast, we have the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio. His name is Steve Monick. Still here. Hooray. Still awesome. Always awesome. We also have the equally awesome, the equally talented, Mr. James Rambo. Oh, equality. Delightful. <laughs> hey, aren't you that guy who did that little beatbox at the beginning oh, of that weird podcast? God damn it. <laughs> You're that guy, right? Yeah, I'm that guy. You've been served. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, well played. Well played, sir. Didn't see it coming. Tonight... We are going to be talking about movies, we're going to be talking about TV shows, where there was maybe an ending or there was a plot twist that we thought could have been done better, or even maybe not even so much better, maybe it's movies that we actually really liked, but it could have gone in a completely different direction. As always, it's just going to be a fun time here at uh, GGR Pirate Radio and our diner-esque conversations that we have. 
I wanted to kick this off with kind of how this started. Um, Steve, you're going to laugh because it's your favorite movie of all time. Um, but Netflix in the UK changed the ending of The Notebook. And... What? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so... And I joke because Steve has, like, his celebrity crush is Rachel McAdams. Um... Oh, because he has eyes well, and like a functioning penis. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, yeah. Right. Also, we share a birthday. Yeah. Same day. Boom. And that would be <laughs> that would be your in, right? When you show up with flowers and you're like, "Hi, Rachel McAdams. I'm Steve. We have the same birthday." And she'd be like, "Forget whatever other relationships I had lined up. But you're the man for me, Mister Monic." I'd be like, "This is my wife, by the way." <laughs> and she, but you guys like would introduce. You guys would make it work. It would be fine. <laughs> Love conquers all. No, hey, actually. If the Our wedding actually anything. had something to do with the wedding. Oh, did it really? With me and me and Manny's wedding. Yes, if you remember, because you were there, Michael. I was. Yes. Um, <laughs> the um, the whole th- our wedding theme was movies. That's true. It yeah. was like a movie theme. So like all the tables had a different. It was instead of table one, table two. It was theater one, theater two, like a cineplex, and they all had different like movie posters. And our because my mom's really good with like Photoshop and stuff. Uh, so she was helping out, and she made our guest book where everyone signed in. Um, but she it, took the poster of the notebook, and then redid it and made it the guest book, oh. and um, added one of our pictures from um, like our engagement pictures that was redone to look like the poster of the movie, and everything. So yeah, very creative. Yeah. Fit right in with the theme. I was. I so was anyway, mom. I was very offended though that the movie that you guys chose for my table was sex lies and videotape i mean it's it's cool it just didn't seem family friendly i mean it was fine like you know whatever it's your sure wedding dude but you know uh, <laughs> i'm just joking for all of you who are like wow steve's kind of progressive didn't no 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 he didn't do anything like that it was very family friendly i swear um <laughs> i'm I, disappointed I was, how did your young son like that table <laughs> oh big fan big fan huge fan <laughs> uh, yeah so basically what what Netflix did. Apparently Netflix own they have some contractual obligation where they can do shit like that with the note with the notebook. Like they they can just do that. And I was like you can just change it. And what they did was they changed it so that the ending was like what happened at the end of the book. And at the end of the book, they don't really actually show them dying. Spoiler alerts, the movie's been out for like 18 years. But like they don't show them dying, holding hands like they do in the in the regular version of the movie. It's basically like like a voiceover, and there's like like birds flying over a field or some shit. And people were really 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 pissed. And I was like, well, that's a really weird alternate ending, huh? I wonder what other alternate endings we could come up with for some of the movies that we uh, love and enjoy. Um, and I wanted to start with our guests because that's what you do when you have guests over. You you, you let them go first. You know, you let them take the first slice of pizza, that sort of thing. Um, so Mr. Rambo, why don't we start off with you, man? Give me one of the ones that, one of the movies that you would like to see maybe a different ending for that you would have been impressed with or happy with if it had changed a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Law Abiding Citizen, that Gerard Butler, Jamie Jamie Foxx movie from a couple years back. Well, not for some time, but I remember that movie not being terrible. I really enjoy it. The problem with that movie is, um... We're supposed to think that Gerard Butler is the villain and that Jamie Foxx is the hero. And that is not at all how that movie plays out. Uh, Jamie Foxx is an entitled douchebag who makes a deal and gets the killer of Gerard Butler's family off 
in order to further his own career. <laughs> um, and Gerard Butler is left just, you know, filled, filled with vengeance and anger. Um, so the entirety of the movie is um, Gerard Butler, who is some like master CIA assassin guy, um, offing uh, everyone who was involved with the case, including like the police, the lawyers, the judges, like everybody. Um, and he's and Butler is like this super genius, um, uh, you know, cold as ice dude. Uh, and he is actually locked up in solitary confinement while all these people are dying. Uh, and so everybody's assuming that he, oh, he must have all these accomplices somewhere out in the world doing all the stuff for him. Um, and there's a scene where Jamie Foxx finds out that Butler's character owns an auto body shop that's, you know, like a mile or so away from the prison. And he goes and he investigates the auto body shop and he finds that there's this tunnel that leads from the shop to the uh, to the prison and underneath all of the solitary cells. Um, this leads to uh, Fox sneaking in and like changing, like like moving a, like a bomb that was supposed to go off in City Hall where the mayor had called this like last minute special meeting. Um, and he moves it into the cell and, and he ends up, you know, killing Gerard Butler at the end of the movie. Um, and it's 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 absolute bullshit. There, there's there's no aspect of this that makes any sense. Um, and I realized that all you'd have to do is disregard the information about the the mechanic shop. And it works out the way it's supposed to with Jimmy Fox getting his comeuppance um, and Gerard Butler, you know, still being very sad because his family's dead. And, he, you know, he probably probably ends with him, like going to his family's grave and killing himself, killing himself. But it actually wraps up as a much neater, much more sensible package, as opposed to this weird, like, oh, well, law is good and breaking law is bad. And okay, the end. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fucking bullshit. I remember watching that movie and really enjoying it and then being like, wait, what's going on? Why is. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> It's like, like that's a choice. Like good for that's you. A choice. You made a decision. You made a decision. <laughs> well played. Yeah, congratulations on doing something. You try. It's like that that Bart Simpson meme where he gets the the cake for uh, for Homer. You tried. Like that's you tried. That's about all you're gonna get out of that. Um, I've actually I've I've never seen the movie in full. I've watched bits and pieces of it, but I remember like catching up on it, like looking at this, uh, the synopsis on, on Wikipedia. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I'm watching it. And then it starts to unravel. And I'm like, I don't, what? Wait, no. The, oh. And just like turning it off and be like, nah, you know, what? I'm done. Forget it. And just like walking away from it. So I think that your idea would be at least, you know, like plausible and not make me want to walk away from that movie. But yeah, I, I could, I can see that. I could, I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Monic, what you got for yeah. us, man? Should I do the one that's The Last Jedi, or should I be a D-bag and do the one you and I both did first so it looks I like it was my like, idea? Well, it was I feel like idea, you guys right? should do each of your, your Into Darkness ones back-to-back. I like this, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right, so my, like, it wasn't... Well, I mean, obviously, it will change the ending and change the stuff, Um but like my one tweak, my one what if is 
what if John Harrison was John Harrison? Whoa. <laughs> right? But, okay, so here we go. So basically, he's, he's John Harrison. Um, a lot of the first half of the movie is going to be relatively similar. He sets up the bombing at the beginning and starts all this stuff off. Uh, he has a patsy do the shooting of, like, all the uh, officers. You know, but all that kind of goes pretty much the same as the movie. Um, and then instead of, like, when they go to... Um, Chronos, right? The Klingon, where wherever yeah. they were, got I, I don't remember if it was Chronos specifically, but some kind of Klingon facility with these stealth things. It turned out to be none of that. None of that is ha happening. Basically, um, he's found responsible for it, and they know he's over in Klingon space. So the crew, the Enterprise crew, goes and meets with the Klingons, uh, and they're gonna like have some kind of like very uneasy talks about this. Um, and then John Harrison like poisons all the Klingons and they die. And it looks like the Enterprise crew might be responsible for it. So they scoop him up and put him in the brig of the Enterprise and get the hell out of there. Um, and that's when he does this whole like I'm Khan thing. He still calls himself Khan. He gives the same kind of like little speech and everything. He says it's everything's the same where he's like, yeah, you know, I've got frozen eugenics war, blah, 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 blah. And he says, Admiral Marcus knew about all of this. He unfroze me and I was charged to start a war because he wants to build up a militarized version of the Federation. He wants to be like the greatest military strength in the whole freaking galaxy or whatever. Um, so basically, so far, everything's really similar to how the movie goes. But kind of the twist is, so he's going to say, and he has this secret... Uh, fleet that he's been building over behind Jupiter or something somewhere nearby Earth. So they're going to take Khan over to this place where he says he knows where the secret army is and show them they're going to get evidence and they're going to take that back and basically point out Marcus, arrest him, say he unfroze this like super warrior dude. Um, mind you, he's been calling himself like this great warrior, but he's basically had everyone else do all the bombing and fighting and everything for him. On the way there, like basically when they arrive, they're real close to their destination. Carol Marcus is part of this still. She calls her dad because she's getting like freaked out about this. She's like, how can you do it? I have to get the truth, whatever. Um, so she calls him up and he's like, what are you talking about? John Harrison. Yeah, we he was part of our like black unit, our, our stealth, our secret ops kind of stuff. Yeah. No one's seen this dude for six months. We found all these eugenics people, but they were all dead. We found a con, but he's been dead this whole time. Um, he went kind of crazy reading the files that we found on their ship and kind of thought this was a new religion and took off. No one's seen this dude for six months. And when they when she's like, oh, crap, we're going to a trap. They're going to trap the fleet. There is actually Romulans. And it's tying back to the first movie where the Romulans kind of found out like the supernova happens and Romulus gets blown up. So they want to change what their course is and they want to start war with the Federation and kind of take over their territory. So they have a safe place that isn't going to blow up in the future. And they're going to use John Harrison to do that. And at the same time, John Harrison has a couple plants on the Enterprise. They shut down all the power. He escapes him and like 10 dudes get on shuttles. They fly over the Romulans. Then the Klingons warp in. Marcus was alerted by Carol, which kind of throws a wrench in the plan. 
they warp in. So there's like these three armies and Harrison's like, cool, this is exactly what I wanted. I believe in this eugenic stuff. I think this is the religion of the universe. I believe that the strongest survive. I wanted everyone here and I just want everyone to kill each other because whoever's the strongest is the ones that are going to make it out. And we're going to have a better universe for it. And that's what I've always wanted. So I am the new Khan. So he's not really Khan, but he's taking on that mantle of like, I'm going to be the leader of these new eugenics people, right? But Kirk is like, so really the only kind of goes war games goes like, so the only way to win is really not to fight because we're just going to all murder each other. So he talks to the Klingons and he's like, hey, you guys got your honor stolen. You got poisoned. That's like the weakest, punkest way ever for a Klingon to go out. And I know all you want to do is go to war right now. Let's fight on the same side, two against one. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll consider it. And then he goes to the Romulans and he kind of talking to Harrison. He's like, we got basically mutually assured destruction right now. Your whole point about this Romulus thing, you don't want to get annihilated. And I'm promising you right now, we will annihilate you as much as you annihilate us. So what are you going to do? You know, cards in your table. So they take care of Harrison and they're like, all right, well, let's set up this neutral zone. And that's where the neutral zone gets set up in this timeline. This is how like the Klingon Federation thing starts off. And Harrison is just kind of a kind of like what we saw with like the Joker or something like that, more of like a puppet master pulling strings because of his like black ops training. He's not a good fighter at all. He's just like a madman who thinks like this is the way the universe should be running and then starts setting up all of these pieces from this information he found. And I was thinking like, well, let's do it this way because the timeline got shifted. The five year mission hadn't started yet. So they didn't find the cryogenically frozen people in time. We'll say there was some kind of like small life support system that was on there and it ran out of time because the enterprise didn't go on its mission early enough. And so when they found them, that's why like Khan and all his people, like they just died asleep in space. So that kind of fixes that little bit. Makes total sense too. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I like what you did there because really that, that the whole black ops thing with Star Trek, if you're watching Star Trek discovery, that's what they're doing right now. They're, They're building a department called section 31, which has been something that they talked about in, uh, Star Trek deep space nine. And it's basically Star Trek's or the, the Federation's black ops division where they're like, we do the shit that nobody needs to know about to make sure that you guys can boldly go where no one has gone before. So that would fit perfectly because you're laying the groundwork for what Section 31 is, that deep cover secret ops kind of shit. I, I absolutely love that. Um, I knew you'd be able to fill in like the specific Star Trek <laughs> oh, detail yeah. side yeah. of things because yeah. I'm like, here's the overall story, Mike. Make it fit into the nerdy Star Trek like intricate yeah. stuff that you guys get very detail specific on. There you go. You give me. You give and me. You the did dough. not disappoint. You give me the dough, the sauce, the cheese. I'll make a pizza out of it. We got this. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I went way more nerdy Star Trek with mine. Um, before we before they spoiled the movie. Before we, they accidentally leaked that it was Khan. Before the movie came out, like a bunch of assholes. Like, people were speculating who he was. We were like, well, who do we think he is? And those really nerdy Trek fans, God bless them, they wanted him to be uh, this guy Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell is from an episode of um, the original series called Where No Man Has Gone Before. To set this up, what happens is the Enterprise passes through the galactic barrier, leaving the Milky Way 
galaxy, like going out into deep space. And when they do that, it causes all sorts of fucked up things. And some entity possesses a lieutenant on the Enterprise, and his name is Gary Mitchell. And he basically gets godlike powers. And what I would do is, is I would have John Harrison essentially be Gary Mitchell. But everybody thinks Gary Mitchell's dead because the same thing happened, except instead of being on the Enterprise, he was on another a ship because, again, timeline got all shifted and fucked up because of... Um, Eric Bana and shit like that from the first movie. That is a nice tool to play with, isn't it? Like, yeah. you can just be like, eh, I'll change whatever I want. I don't care. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Kelvin timeline. Fuck it. I'll do whatever I want. So he was <laughs> he was on another ship, and instead of, like, in the original series where Kirk stops him on this other planet, um, he basically takes over the ship. And he's just like, if this is what it's going to be, then I'm going to take over everything. And Marcus, Admiral Marcus, still being RoboCop douchebag that he is... He's like, let's make a deal. We can rule the galaxy together as father and son. Oh, wait, no, wrong, wrong franchise. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, he's like, he's like, well, we need your help because there's this coming war. And they basically like go back and forth bartering into this. So instead of being Khan and having this big reveal that like really first off was more for the audience than for the for the crew, which is fucked up because you're not supposed to be breaking the fourth wall in a movie like this. You're supposed to be giving these reveals. And then not only that, you can't have your crew turn to old Spock and be like, hey, old Spock, this guy, Khan. Yeah, we know he's a terrorist, but like still like he's a terrorist. Right. But can we trust him? And old Spock has to be like, well, no, he killed me. (laughs) You should not trust him. And they're like, oh, fuck, maybe we shouldn't. Like, he's a fucking terrorist. You shouldn't trust him like that. And that's the thing that I wanted that this movie did really, really well is the first half of that movie before we get our big dramatic Benedict Cumberbatch reveal is it was, it was a commentary on our society. It was terrorist attacks. Like we're, we're all appalled and and angry and pissed off. And this guy goes to Kronos. Oh, what's that supposed to be? Kronos is supposed to be fucking Afghanistan. And uh, John Harrison is supposed to be Osama bin Laden. It's so fucking like blatantly obvious. Like, why not make more commentary? Continue what you're doing with that and make it about terrorism. Like, now you have this war that you're trying to fight, but you can't... There's no ships. There's no countries. There's no planets. You're, you're trying to identify people in a galaxy, in a universe of, of billions and billions of entities. How are you going to know who your enemy is? And that could have just been done so much better because Benjamin Harrison... Not Benjamin Harrison. John Harrison... Not our former president, uh, John Harrison. John Harrison's basically like, I'm a god, and I will make you all gods if you help me destroy the Federation, the thing that created me in the first place. Because now that I have the powers to be a god, I realize that we shouldn't be going out beyond the galaxy. That I don't want this. I want to die, and I want to destroy the thing that created me. So now he's got his network of terrorists who think that they can all be godlike too, because humans want power. That's what we want. It's that baser instinct. And this, in my opinion, would just make for a much better film. And it, it really would just speak to the that moral gray area that the war on terrorism took. Like, yeah, we're going into we're going into these other planets. We're going, you know, fill in whatever country want Iraq, Afghanistan. We're going in here to, to fight terrorism, but we're fucking up all of their infrastructure. We're killing their people just to say, you know, hey, pat on the back, you're safe from terrorism. Yeah, but you just blew up our schools and, like, half of our roads and, like, yeah, great, we're safe from terrorism, but now you're fucking leaving. You're not helping us rebuild any of this shit. Like, it's, that. that's where I think that this movie could have been a lot better. 
um, it just got lazy, and, th and that's how I would fix it. And like, how would you how would you conclude it? Um, I think that you end up having you you, you do the callback. You have Kirk, and you have Harrison fighting on the planet. I mean, and granted, you just change Harrison's name. Now, now he's Gary Mitchell. Like they, they, it's the callback. You can't defeat me. I'm a god, you know. And Kirk using his wily skills of shoot first and ask questions later and punch everybody that he possibly can and then have sex with chicks. That seems to work pretty good. So he'll do something like that, and I'm sure that it'll solve the whole problem. Um, in the original episode, he basically like he basically like overloaded him because the guy he wasn't like fully god yet and he would weaken him and then in that split second he had to make the decision I have to kill this guy and I think that that would be the only way that he would be able to defeat him is if you're essentially showing look all of these people realize that you're that you've lied to them and that there is no peace there is no way that you're going to pervert your message any further but not only that the one thing that you hate you want to die you want to destroy the federation well no you're going to be stuck on this planet forever in the middle of nowhere um, like they did with Khan, which Khan got stuck on SETI Alpha 5 to just live out the rest of his days, you know, never to be able to escape. That's essentially what they do to him. And they do that all the time in Star Trek. They just stick people on planets and say, um, good luck, we'll, we'll come back and check on you later, and then they never do. And it just leaves this open plot hole that you can use for another movie later, so. Sweet. There's all right, nice Rambo. Which one won, and which person is never allowed back on the podcast again? <laughs> Go! <laughs> you know, I remember when uh, when the, the rumor first dropped um, that it was going to be Khan, and then and it was Simon Pegg who was the one who was like, no, nah, it's not Khan, he's this character, Gary, uh, you know, Gary Johnson? Uh, yeah. Jonathan. No, Gary Johnson was, was no, the it's Gary Red. Anderson. Former, <laughs> former NFL kicker. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Gary Johnson was libertarian candidate for president last time. Yeah, it, worked, um, it worked out pretty good for him, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, super great. Yeah. Um, John Harrison. Um, Gary so Gygax. When when no, and that's and Simon Pegg was the one who was like, no, 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 it's it's a reference to this old episode. But uh, I remember being really excited about that. So I'm sorry, Steve. I gotta go with I gotta go with Mike. That was Damn exactly it. the story that I wanted to get. <laughs> In your face, Monic. Now get out. <laughs> I Rambo, think my Star Wars better anyway. Rambo, you've been promoted to uh, co-host. Congratulations. <laughs> I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Honestly, Steve, yours... You, you know what? Star I, Wars I, is better than Star Trek anyway. I don't even want to play anymore. <laughs> they, don't have my ball go home. <laughs> they don't have laser swords in Star Trek, do they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's... They, they were on to something, and they didn't follow up with it. And it's, I feel like, I, I want to say it was Robert Orkey was the, um, was the writer of uh, Star Trek Into Darkness? Kurtzman, Ortsy, whatever, yeah. like that, that duo. Yeah, and I feel like what they did was, is like the two of them started off strong, right? And they had this badass script, and they got halfway done with it. And they were like, oh, we got this shit in the bag. We'll be able to finish this up. Let's go on a bender, right? And they just, like, <laughs> they just broads and coke and and every drug you can imagine, like, and just, like, like just an alcohol-fueled haze of a weekend, and they wake up in Las Vegas. It's, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and, like, the script was due at 2, and they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? Um, Let's just steal the ending from Star Trek 2, except instead of Kirk uh, Spock dying, we'll have Kirk die, and they're like, oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, let's do that. 
Don't man. forget tribbles. You know, like they'll just throw references in. <laughs> well, well, how are you going to save everybody? Um, tribbles. I love it. I like it. Don't worry about it. Just all your stuff. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Well, like, and not only that, too, I've poked this plot hole a million times. Like, they make this big deal about how they had to get Khan's blood, right? They were like, oh, we have to get Khan's blood in order to save Captain Kirk. It just has to be done. There's there's no other way. There was an entire torpedo, torpedo room full of frozen people with the exact same blood as Khan. Yeah. That you could have just siphoned the blood out of them and not had to find Benjamin Harrison. I'm going to keep calling them that because it makes it makes it funnier. Uh, uh, the, the first president to die in office. He died after 30 days in office. Um, oh, buddy. Well, yeah, I know. It was sad. He died of pneumonia. It was sad. But, um, see, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it because it's like, hey, Benjamin Harrison's escaped on the planet. It's okay. He's got pneumonia. He'll die in like 20, <laughs> 22 days. It's cool. He's also 800 years old. <laughs> he has no idea how to use fancy technology. He's got wooden teeth. It'll be fine. Um, but, like, you use all those other frozen... Uh, supermen that are on the Enterprise already, and then all you have to do is just fire a photon torpedo and just it could completely obliterate John Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. Not there's, only that, yeah, there's that, yeah. no requirement for any of that. Right? And then the other thing, too, is if you're going to have Khan Noonien Singh, a Sikh augment, uh, make him Indian instead of making him the whitest dude on the planet. Like. Yeah, like they did in the original series. <laughs> make, him a, make, him a dude, make him a really tan Spanish dude. Like, <laughs> it's got like the most over-the-top Spanish accent ever. Oh, I don't do more than hurt you, Kirk. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Benicio Del Toro was, in the, was the front runner to play Khan. Oh, that would have been so much better. Beforehand, before they went with Cumberbatch. It's like, just think about it, right? We all know that he's supposed to be Indian, right? But then fucking Antonio Banderas shows up, and I'm like, <laughs> I would stand and applaud. I would be like, bravo, yes, don't even care. Yes, I grew up in New Delhi. <laughs> as, he, as he has, like, a guitar case that he opens up full of guns for some reason, like, even though they're all using, like, phasers and stun rifles and stuff, but he's got, like... He's wearing, like, a Puss in Boots t-shirt. <laughs> He's just an amalgam of all of his other roles. <laughs> I am in trouble, but my children, who are also trying to spies, they will come and save me. It'll be okay. <laughs> ridiculous. The maximum <laughs> amount of ridiculous. Uh, James motherfucking Rambo, what do you got for us, man? What's your next story? What do I got? Let's see. Um, Monster Squad. Ooh, so Wolfman's got nards. Wolfman's got nards. So, Steve, you've seen Monster Squad, yes? I'm pretty familiar with Monster Squad. Okay. I honestly couldn't remember if we've talked about it or not. Um, but, yeah, so there's. I realized that I had another uh, like pivot point more toward the end of the movie where I was like, oh, well, if it didn't, this didn't happen, then Dracula wins. And then I realized that there's a much better and more ridiculous pivot point, which is... If Horace had just eaten all of the pizza he had at lunch, Dracula wins. Um, when Sean, Patrick, and Horace all break into the mansion uh, to get the amulet, um, what happens? Dracula catches him. Uh, he's got Sean and Patrick in his grasp. Fat Kid reaches into his pocket, pulls out his pizza, puts it on Dracula's face, burns him, and that's how they get away. If he had just been a little hungrier at lunchtime and hadn't <laughs> saved that, Dracula would have murdered all three of them. <laughs> gotten, gotten the fucking amulet and evil went. That's it. 
<laughs> so what you're saying is, it's in a dark twist where Sam Beckett goes back in time via the quantum leap machine. Um, instead, he convinces this fat kid to power through and finish that last pizza pizza. Then Dracula wins is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, precisely. That's why that movie had to be made in the 80s and not like today, because that kid would have eaten like three pizzas today, right? Exactly, right? Like, Or no, no, actually he probably would have gotten fat shamed and then he wouldn't have eaten it. Or vice versa, he would have gotten fat shamed and he would have felt so bad about himself that he would have eaten it. Wow. Layers, man. Layers yeah. upon layers. Upon layers. Layers. Really, Mike? Layers. Come on. Yes, that's what I was going for. It's Don't fat shame. It's, pe- right? it's pizza, not cake, Steve, okay? Pizza doesn't have layers. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> what about parfait? Everybody like parfait. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, my kid, I swear to God, he does it in that voice every time, even when we're in public. Like, if we're talking, if somebody says layers, he goes, you know what else has got layers? Parfait. Everybody like parfait. parfait. Everybody like parfaits. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't help but laugh. I don't care what I'm doing. It makes me laugh every time. Um, so Monster Squad, yeah, uh, apparently they'd all be dead. It were not for the fat kid who hides food. Um, which I'm sure there's a condition for that. Um, I've heard of people doing that. Oh, that's like, uh, what's his name? Um, Robert Downey Jr. does that on the set of all of the uh, Avengers movies. Is he'll just hide food everywhere. Yeah. And the people working on the on the movie can never find where he's hiding the food. So he'll just randomly hide food and find it and eat it during the scenes. And they're like, where are you doing this? What the hell is going on? Yeah, that's why he offers, uh, when he offers a cap of blueberry in Avengers, yeah. that's not scripted. That's that's just Downey. <laughs> Caches of food hidden everywhere. Um, Steve, let's go into um, we go into the Last Jedi. I want to hear what you have for that man. Yeah, and so this one is a little less like plot changing. It's more character changing. Like ultimately, the same kind of like beats and plot points throughout the movie happen. It's just altering Poe and Haldo's relationship, so to speak. And, and like kind of why the things happen. So it's a little more character building because I think out of all the complaints about The Last Jedi, I feel like that one has the most merit it is Holdo and Poe and kind of like why they didn't just do a better job of communicating and, and everything. Yeah. So it, this was kind of my attempt to fix that by giving Holdo a little more characterization. Um, they really went bent over backwards to be like, well, Poe just rushes into anything and doesn't think and just goes crazy into battle. So I was like, all right, well, let's run with that. Let's how would this happen? So my tweak on this one is that instead of being like an admiral, like somewhere on like the hierarchy um, in, in that sense, she's the commander of I guess I just had like a black ops thing going. She's the resistance like intelligence unit. She runs that. So. Um, you know, all the people that like their both and spy network, if they still have that or which they haven't really mentioned or anything, but like whoever they're using to gather information, she's not, she's a non-combatant. Um, so then we start out evacuation is happening where they're trying to, uh, you know, get everyone onto the ships that are remaining and Poe flies in, he's taking out the surface cannons, all that stuff's the same. Um, and then it's a little bit different. Leia's on board. She's like, Hey, this dreadnought, let's take it out. Let's do this thing. And then Holdo comes up and she's like, hey, I got some recent intelligence um, that we got before the Starkiller base thing happened. They have this new like prototype missile defense system. So like even if you take out the cannons, if you come in with multiple ships, they're just going to take you apart. 
it's not 100% confirmed. I don't even know if this Dreadnought has it, but be careful. So Leia's like, mm, not worth it. Let's get out of here. And Poe's like, nope, I'm going to do it anyway. We have a chance to take out a Dreadnought. Let's take it. That's why the bombers get like absolutely annihilated because it turns out it was accurate and this new defense system like slaughters all their people. They still are able to bomb the Dreadnought. Like that kind of stuff still happens. Um, so Poe comes back and he's all like, yeah, yeah, we took out Dreadnought, bro. And Leia's like, I said no, you ignored orders. We had intelligence that said not to attack, so you're demoted now. Um, and Poe kind of like hates Holdo because he thinks she kind of like essentially tattled and like try to do, you know, undermine him, so to speak, because they were at the same level and now he's lower because they were both commanders in different divisions. Um, so he's like kind of confronts her and she's like, he's like, you know what? You join the intelligence because you're always looking for a reason to run away from a fight. I want to run towards the battle. Like I'm here to fight for people, not run away from from battles. That's why I always rush in. And you're always looking for a reason to run away. Uh, so then this tracking thing happens where they can track them through light speed and all that kind of stuff. Kylo's dudes blow up the thing. Uh, Mary Poppins Leia happens. All that stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so she's in the coma. Akbar and all the other people are dead. Leia's in the coma. It would have fallen to Poe, but now due to his demotion, Holdo is next in that chain of command as far as leading what's left of the fleet. So it's like a double like nut punch right to him. Is like not only did he get a bunch of people killed and Holdo's intelligence probably could have saved him, so he's a little red in the face, but now he has to listen to her. So that's where the inborn like tension is. Instead of him just thinking, well, she's got purple hair, so she probably doesn't know what she's talking about. Like now there's like a legitimate reason for him to not like her or trust her. They just have different interpretations of like how to win a war, so to speak. Um, so they're being tracked and Holdo's like, well, let's just keep rolling here um, and assess how they're tracking us, try and figure this out, everything. The whole fuel aspect of it goes away. It's not that they're running out of fuel that there's this chase. It's because with Holdo in command, they know they can't go to light speed because it wouldn't solve any problems. They would just get chased no matter what speed they're going. So for her, it's like, well, let's just gather information and try and come up with a plan. And Poe's like one of those dudes that's getting real antsy. And he's like, I, I can't sit on my hands. Like, I, I have to do something. Um, so that's where him and Finn and Rose come up with their plan to take any action at all like he's just like hey you think you could figure out how to turn this thing off let's do it because i can't just sit here um so he's like i'll kind of run things from here pretend like everything's normal get you guys out and you can run your plan so they do the casino planet and all that junk that all happens the same um poe keeps challenging her uh he perceives that she has a lack of like action that she's not really doing anything constructive and then Holdo says that flying right into them without a plan would be suicide. Boom. That's called foreshadowing right there. Um, Poe disagrees and he's like, <laughs> um, I'm going to – he starts thinking about the mutiny. And then all that mutiny stuff goes the same where he tries to like take over the ship um, and he's going to try and come up with some sort of like action plan to actually do something. But Holdo's actually been doing stuff the whole time. Her intelligence team has analyzed – how the like the battle happened with the evacuation and realized that when they're tracking them with this new um, like light speed tracking thing, they can't like actively scan. Like once they're locked onto the ships, they can't keep scanning. So uh, they've basically just been tracking the same like big cruisers the whole time. So their little cruisers could get away unseen. 
So what their goal is is just come close enough to that planet, let the little cruisers go by, and then just kind of set those guys on autopilot to keep drifting away. Um, and then the First Order is following empty ships at this point. And then they can't find them, and then they can regroup and come up with a new plan. Um so that's kind of where she goes with that. Uh, DJ Finn and Rose do deactivate the tracker. Like I said, all that stuff happens like normal. But because Poe took action and they were successful in turning off the tracker at that time, now the First Order is able to do sweeps. And they're like, oh, crap, there's like 40 little ships over here. So again, Poe acting rashly without thinking has caused people to get killed. So he... Um, is you know they're all in the evacuation and holdo's like all right and that's when she turns around and does her she's going to do her suicide run and poe's kind of like really remorseful at this point like oh my god like i i get it now i'm kind of you've actually had a plan this whole time and i've been undermining you and, and coming up with you and i guess rushing in isn't always the smartest way to do it so he calms he calms her and, and, and tells her not to do it or whatever she's like in a lot of ways, he was right, too, that she was kind of afraid because she would rather take an absolutely perfect shot than any shot. And this is her opportunity to do that. So she light speeds, blam, blows that all that crap up. The rest of the movie happens the way it would at the end. But now Poe kind of has like, all right, I am the commander now because, um, you know, Leia's there. But um, we obviously think something's going to happen to her at nine and Poe's going to end up running the show. He now has a better development as a leader. It's not just like run and gun. It's like, oh, I actually have to think about a bigger picture now. So he learned something from Holdo. We actually have some reason for their tension. We have some reason for the things that happen. doesn't really change how the movie plays out, but just gives it a better kind of feel to it, I guess. Uh, so that's kind of the tweak I went with. I really like that Like when you do these, Steve, they're very detail-oriented. I can't not like when I think of like if I would change this one thing yeah. and then I just rabbit hole it and I was like let's just change all this yeah. stuff and think about how it changed yeah, I, yeah. I can't help it it's no there's nothing wrong with that man I, I dig it um the one thing that I would change with it and we can't I can't say for certain yet because we haven't seen the Star Wars episode 9 so it might end up being a moot point I I'm very cautious about what they're gonna do with Leia in the next movie and they say that they've got a plan and they're going to work it all out and it's going to be great and it's going to be wonderful and that uh, Carrie Fisher's brothers signed off on it and it's going to be wonderful. I just, I, once she passed away, they should have changed the movie. And all they had to do was redo any scenes after the, um, the, the hyperspace kamikaze, which by the way is an awesome band name. Um, yeah, it is. Oh, man. All they had to do was make Leia pilot it. And, and not only that, too, you can explain away the Mary Poppins moment because here's how you do it. When she's, when she's back there and they're talking about what they're going to do and what the plan is, she basically tells Holdo, this is your show. You're, you're taking over for me. And she's like, Leia, no, I'll do it. And she's like, no. She's like, I don't even know how I'm still alive. I was in the middle of space. But the Force wants me to do this, wants me here for a reason, and this is my reason, is to save you guys and get you out of here. But not only that, too, what that does is that bookends the entire movie, because you have Luke make his sacrifice, and you have Leia make her sacrifice to save this thing that they fought so hard for for the last 40 years, the Rebellion. And she's the one that makes that decision, and the reason she makes the decision, she's like, I don't even know why I'm alive, I should be dead, let me at least use this. 
And yeah, I agree. I think like if because I was for the assignment, I was like, I'm limiting myself to like one core change. And then what are the ripple effects from that? And for me, the core change was how do I change Holdo? You are 100 percent right. If your core change is changing Leia so that she dies in the movie, that is the only logical way to do it. I just think that like with and maybe you guys agree or disagree, and I'd love to hear how you guys feel about it. Is I felt like that would have been the more respectful thing to do for Carrie Fisher is, I mean, granted, you wouldn't have been able to, I don't know how you would have been able to pull it off because you would have had to have had her reshoot those scenes, but like they, she should have been the one who made the sacrifice. She should have been the one who was letting this new generation take over because that's what this is all about. The rebellion will not die with us. The rebellion lives on. I will not be the last Jedi. This is what Luke said to Kylo Ren on Crate. Why not make that more than just symbolic? Why not make that literal? Han's gone. Leia's gone. Um, Luke's gone. The only one that's left is, is R2 and Chewie and 3PO, but he doesn't count because he's worthless. Um, <laughs> but like, you you don't have to just make it like a, a a passing of the torch in a in a in a speaking sense, it literally can happen. You don't have these people anymore, and that's just. I mean, that's how I would have changed it. I I would have found a way to make that happen. Um, and honestly, that I mean, if anything, that maybe that's the way it should have been written in the first place. Um, I mean, it's that's just my take on it. Um, it was one of those things where when that movie first came out, I really liked it, but I was also on painkillers from my. Um, from my kidney stone. So I think that I could have watched anything and I would have been like, this is the greatest movie ever. Um, but it was, it was good. I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought the lessons that it taught, I thought that like it was, Luke was so disenfranchised with the Jedi. He was so pissed. He was like, these, the Jedi are freaking worthless. They're idiots. They created the, all the problems and, and they they're smell funny and their robes are stupid. And then like at the very end, he did the most Jedi thing ever by, like, engaging Kylo Ren and not even actually fighting him. He never even swung his lightsaber. He just stood there. And then it turns out he's not even actually there. Like, as you were mentioning before, the best way to fight is to not fight. And that's what he did. And that was, yeah, I, I still think nobody can convince me otherwise when I hear these assholes who were like, he was so against character, that's not the Luke Skywalker I grew up with. Then you guys weren't paying attention. Yeah, no shit. I was rewatching it last night while I was writing this stuff up, and I was thinking, like, I really missed the first couple watch-throughs, how good some of, like, the philosophical debates between Luke and Ray, like, when they were sitting, like, in the cave where he's talking about, like, yeah. you know, well, the Jedi thought this power was theirs, and it doesn't. It belongs to all life, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's literally a force that the Jedi have the capacity to tap into, but they don't own it, and that was their hubris, and that's what led to their downfall – but she's, you know, kind of coming back at him and they're going back and forth a little bit. And obviously Luke is, you know, gun shy about the whole thing because of the situation with Kylo Ren. And that was very I always thought was well done, too. Luke has his version. Kylo has his version of what happened. Yeah. And oh, the fucking truth is some, right down the middle. You know oh, and yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, me too. And that kind of like tells you from the bigger picture when they're talking about like the force and the Jedi and whether or not they choose to exist or like, you know, Luke was like the, you know, in the original trilogy, they're the Jedi are amazing. They're the best things ever. And now, you know, in the last Jedi, he's like, the Jedi are the absolute worst thing ever. It's like, 
you know what the truth is they're probably somewhere right down the middle yeah yeah i i'm 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 totally with you on that one um rambo do you do you have another one i do have another one um but i before we get into that i wanted to yeah i want to offer counterpoint for both y'all stuff please do um so the thing that I really liked about the way um, Johnson handles the the thing with uh, with Poe, and I think a point that not necessarily that you, Steve, missed, but a lot of people seem to miss, is Poe shouldn't know what the fuck is going on. Like, <laughs> the, the, you know, he he was the first thing that happens before um, before Holdo comes on is he's demoted. Um, so there's this idea that, and this actually, this isn't really arguing against your point, because uh, I really do like the idea of um, further characterization for her, which I think is is something we miss out on in Star Wars in general. But because there's this, there's so much of everything going on all the time that you don't really get anything. You don't really get to learn too much about anybody aside from like the main main characters. Um, but I, I really appreciated the fact that he is sort of just like, well, yeah, you fucked up. So you're going to go sit over here now while all the adults take care of things. Um, and I I prefer it. I prefer it being that um, it's not until the very end that he actually has this full realization. It's really complete understanding of not only what was going on, but why it was happening. Um, and that it's not spelled out for him. It actually has to be through experience that he learns that. Um, so that's, that's, that's the one thing about, uh, the one, the one place I disagree with, uh, with Steve. Um, Mike, you, I'm, I have totally forgotten what you were saying, Mike. Um, what was the, the, the counterpoint you were offering? All I, all I did basically was that I, I flip-flopped, uh, Holdo and, 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 uh, Leia was, Oh, I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had I had basically Leia, and instead of the Mary Poppins moment being this thing where everybody was just like, "What the fuck?" Like she literally talks about it. She's like, "I don't know how that happened. The Force wants me to do something." Yeah, and 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 like and that speaks to Luke's point from earlier that Steve just made, and like, see, Steve, you're helping. We're writing this shit together, man. I like this. Um, That's why I was excited for this one because I yeah. knew like like we would bring like okay we did a little bit of work and here's some stuff on the table yeah. and then it would just evolve from there yeah you made the point that luke said and, and i forgot this that the the force is not for the jedi you know it is for everyone and when you make it a thing that is almost sentient then it also helps explain another gigantic plot hole too why the fuck is ray so powerful for no reason the force needed her because they need to counterbalance to kylo ren yeah and yeah. she act, yeah she acts as a balance point yeah and like they never really explain that and with with all of this I mean that really just kind of evens the whole thing out I um I think that the best thing they could do for the third movie is open with Leia's funeral agreed um I think it would I also I really like I I think the if we go with what you are suggesting in terms of Leia being the one to pilot the ship, yeah. we miss out on that last scene between her and Luke. Oh, that's and a really that good is point. such an amazing scene, not just between Luke and Leia, but between, you know, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Um, we literally got to say goodbye to her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. Fuck. 
<laughs> so it, it would also mean that um, for each of the new trilogy, all three of the main characters um, in the original trilogy have been lost one at a time over the course of the three movies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think ideally, I think the best thing to do is to open with her funeral and you have it be a way to honor Carrie Fisher, um, a way to close the, the sort of the close the book on the original trilogy. Um, and it can act as a motivating force for the, you know, for the audience, but also for the actual, uh, characters themselves to move forward, uh, and be like, yeah, we're going to like, you know, we're going to do this for the Gipper. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to pull this out for, for general Leia. Um, and I'm really curious how they're going to handle, uh, that going forward. Cause they've said like, they're going to, they're not going to doctor any footage. They're not going to, you yeah. know, like edit her back in somehow. Um, so that's honestly one of the only ways I can think of doing it. I is... hope it's a puppet. <laughs> I hope it's a Muppet. I she like it. calls down lightning and sets fire to something. <laughs> just like not even like a good one, like a hand puppet. Like just like like <laughs> help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Ah! Like like Kermit the Frog and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Into the fucking hamper. <laughs> where's where's General? Where's, where's General Organa? Ah, oh, she's in her trash can again. Oh no. <laughs> Why is she so grouchy? Like, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, um, I you know I I think that was a thing that a lot of a lot of the really angry nerds missed is the the movie opens with Poe defying orders and getting a bunch of people killed. Yeah. No, we're not going to give you secret intelligence, you asshole. Exactly. <laughs> Why would we try and? Why are you? Why would no? You you you've lost that privilege. You don't listen, get to keep that. Listen, Jimmy, um, we caught you stealing French fries. Uh, we caught you stealing money out of the register. But we're gonna promote you to assistant store manager. Yeah. Because I like your initiative, kid. Like, yeah, here's here's the here's the combo to the safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that we know you're unreliable. Yeah. Um, you've proven that you want to fuck everyone over for your own means. So. I like. I think you got potential. Let's do this. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, nah, man. Uh, so you definitely wanted to see more of Holdo. But I think that's also sort of the uh, the gift and the curse of uh, Star Wars in general is you. There's so much happening on screen at all times that you can take any one character, background or foreground, and have an entire you know novel about them. Um, because it's such a rich universe to, to, to play with. Uh, and it also reminded me, uh, you mentioning the, the, the different perspectives on, um, on uh, Luke and, and Kylo, uh, that it's a direct reference to Rashomon, which is, a, which is an even further deeper uh, meta nod for Star Wars overall. Um, we, you know, Star Wars being based on Kurosawa's uh, Hidden Fortress, uh, it's just another Kurosawa reference that again i'm like ah oh, you fucking stupid nerds don't deserve anything yeah uh, <laughs> you, you don't even know how good you have it. right <laughs> you take everything great and you destroy it <laughs> what's what's funny about it too is is like not only did they miss that they also missed like the the whole point of what happens to luke skywalker when he's tempted by the dark side um in return of the jedi he has that flash of the dark side and he just owns his father and chops off his hand 
and what happens because he was tempted by the dark side. He gets the shit shocked out of him for like 45 minutes. When he has another moment of, I'm going to go to the dark side and murder somebody, what happens? His nephew collapses a hut around him and murders all of his students. So it's this constant lesson of, don't fuck with the dark side, Luke, and he doesn't learn it. And that's why he's so, like, I can't believe in all these years of being heroic Luke Skywalker, I still haven't learned my lesson. Fuck it, I'm gonna go shut myself off from the Force and die, because I'm worthless. Like, I, I just couldn't believe that nobody else saw that. And, like, and that, that was painfully obvious to me. I was like, I totally get that. You've, you've had this thing that you've been told is a horrible thing and you should never go towards it. And when you do go towards it, awful things happen. And I, I don't blame you. I, I totally get it. I would drink weird green titty milk too, man. Like, yeah, like it's, <laughs> I would be pretty upset too. Like it's, I totally got his, his motivation in that. And, and, it just blew my mind that so many people were just like, well, he should have just been leading the way the whole time and swinging his lightsaber and shooting lightning. And I'm like, okay, guys, no, 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 no. That's not how this well, works. I'll bring it even a step further to your to your point about the, those two exact instances you brought up. Yeah. When he had a taste of the dark side and he cut his dad's hand off, he looked at his hand and realized, I'm becoming this. Exactly. What's he do? He throws his lightsaber away and says, you know, just like we, we've learned, uh, lightsaber is for defense. That's what Jedis do. It's not for attack. Yeah. He attacked. He was on the dark side. So then, you know, he's training Ben. He has this where he's feeling the dark side. He has that twinge of it. What's he have? He has his lightsaber in his hand. He doesn't throw it away. And that is the entire reason that Ben ultimately falls. Now, he says that Snoke already had his heart, but... That was the straw that broke the camel's back because he was in an attack position. So what happens when Ray comes? She hands him his lightsaber and he goes, nope, and throws that over his shoulder. It was played up for laughs and everything, but I think there's a little bit of a maybe a deeper connection where Luke's like, no, I'm literally done with the whole offense thing. And then, like you said, we don't really see Luke on the offensive, even when Ray attacks him, when she's trying to debate him and saying we need to go get Kylo Ren and everything. He's just attacking. He takes her staff away. He never actually attacks her. And then um, when he's shadow fighting, basically, Kylo Ren, it's all dodging. He never, ever attacks ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that absolutely wonderful points. Um, I We've we've hit the, the magical hour mark, guys, here. Uh, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, we'll break right here because we're going to come back with part two because we're going to talk about our last few movies here uh, instead of just diving into Star Wars like we always do. Um, we'll, we'll wrap it up for right now. We'll come back. We got, I got, I know I got one more. And of course, we'll dovetail into a million other things like we always do. But you guys stay tuned for part two of GGR Pirate Radio at the diner as we're talking about movies that could be tweaked just a little bit. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. Pirate Radio Network production juice bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.